Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Prepare to Fight Fire podcast. We are back, another episode, with a good friend of mine, Chris Rano. Chris, welcome. Oh, thank you so much, man. I'm glad to be here. It's been a little bit since we talked. It's probably, we're coming up on a year since you and I chatted, maybe maybe a little bit over that since you and I chatted. Yeah, it, it's, it's been a while. And uh, for the folks that don't know, um, Chris is a firefighter in LA County, uh, in California, and um, he has been with them for a good minute. Um, he currently holds the rank of captain. And um, let's talk about that, man. L.A. County, that's a, that's a big department, a lot of tradition. It's been around a long time. Um, you got less time ahead of you than you do behind you. Um, so how many years do you have on exactly? So I have uh, 23 years on L.A. County, and I that's 25 years in the fire service. I had a few years of uh, – uh, Seasonal time, you know, when you're working and, and whether you're doing reserves or whatever, but out here out West in California, a lot of folks like myself, we start out on this wildland path uh, because they're seasonal jobs. We can gain experience and for sure that brush knowledge pays huge dividends to whatever agency that you get picked up on. So that was, that's what I was doing with the forest service a uh, couple of years on a hotshot crew, a couple of seasons, and then on a, on a wildland engine. And then I got picked up. So I'm, I'm 25 years deep as far as, you know, working as a fireman and 23 years with LA County. And, and like you said, currently holding the rank as fire captain, but it's been an incredibly blessed uh, career, you know, uh, just being able to check out and experience uh, pretty much anything that I was really passionate or interested in or putting my hand to, I, I got to check that out. So it's been a great career so far. And I'm looking five to five to to eight, like eight or less. <laughs> That's where I'm at. What's your, you know, let's talk about that. Cause a lot of my audience is broad, right? We've got firefighters in training. We've got firefighters right. online and then we've got uh, just an array of people listening. What is your mindset knowing the end is very near? I mean, five to eight years, that's a blink, man, compared to 20, 24, 23, 24 that you've been in. I think for um, my mindset is, like preparing for that, right? I guess I like looking more intentionally on the legacy that I've, that I've built, you know, or, or, or where I'm at, my current standing, my reputation, um, those things, like what kind of handoff have I given to other folks? Uh, you know, making sure that I'm still being deliberate about that. Cause we see a lot of guys towards the end where they're on coast, right? They're on, you know, sometimes they're checked out. Um, not that everybody is, of course, we, we know those, those salty, those salty leaders, man, that they're like right to the last shift. They're still um, <laughs> running a good program right. and, and doing all that. But, uh, but just being, a, but, but thinking about that, right? Which one do I want to be? Uh, who, what am I handing off? What have I, what have I learned? What have I gained? Uh, the takeaways, um, you know, and that's job related. But then really, I think I see a lot of guys struggle with the identity part. And I can say in the past couple of years, I've kind of struggled with that a little bit as well, or I've had to recalibrate my, my purpose, you know, as my assignment is going to be changing, whether like it or not, I'm going to be doing something else. I'm not going to be, my contract with the County is going to be up. And what's that mean? And, um, you know, different people have different uh, ideas about what they're going to do in retirement, but uh, you may know some guys or heard about some guys and, and it doesn't matter the career that you're in or that you're leaving. There is as a man, uh, a little change that happens I've seen with guys when it comes to identity. Sometimes it's a rough transition for guys at first. Um, you know, they're doing something they love, they're passionate about. They've been doing since they were like 18 years old. 
So pretty much since they've been working age as a man, and then now what are they going to do, right? So um, yeah, just kind of thinking of that, looking at that, uh, and, and and that's where I'm at right now. It's It's something that's so interesting to me because I think you always need to have a plan and it, it just goes back to investing in yourself, right? Um, absolutely. We joined this career. I still have so much to learn. I still have so many classes to take and, and I want to be the best, right? My perspective into this career has always been, I'm going to go to somebody's worst day. It's my job to be the best firefighter I can be so that in their worst day and whatever emergency they're having, I can give them the best possibility of a, a good outcome, right? A better, a better outcome, fix their problem entirely, or just make it not as bad, right? And that takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of years. I'm sure you can attest to that, to, to mastering this craft. But along the way, we can't forget about who's also important, and that's ourselves, right? And um, we had our yearly psych physical today that I, I took part in. And, um, you know, we, we talked about the number one problem with mental health in the fire service is we help everybody else, but we neglect ourselves. And I want to talk to you about your mental health and, you know, how you've been so driven your entire career. Guys, I, I, I've had the pleasure of meeting this, this man a couple times. He invited me in his home. We did a podcast. We did a, a workout. And he is, I mean, the guy looks better than me, and he's 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 not young by any means. How old are you, Chris? <laughs> uh, I'm 46. Yeah, 46, and, knocking on 47. The guy's a stud. So, how have you kept that mental acuity so sharp in a field where negativity is is is, is very prevalent? And um, it's a hard job. Everybody knows that. You know what I mean? It's a hard job. Yeah, and well, for me, I'll kind of tell like my story a little bit, and and I think some folks you know, will resonate. Maybe they're feeling like they're, they kind of have the same perspective as me. Um, but, uh, myself, I, I think I always had confidence, you know, and that probably goes from having, uh, uh, my dad was a deputy, you know, he was kind of a straight laced guy, but, but it was very much like, he wasn't like very negative, right? Like I did, uh, I didn't, and, and I was, I was thinking about our, our discussion and where we're going to go with it. I, I was like, where, where does that come from? You know, but I can't really say, but I can, I can tell you that, that I didn't really, um, I didn't have a chip on my shoulder. Uh, I wasn't like, Hey, I'm going to prove, you know, my parents wrong. Everybody's down on me and says, I can't do this. I'm going to show them. I was kind of maybe come from, uh, not entitled, but I just, uh, I definitely, he taught me a greedy work ethic and all of that. But I just, I, I really felt that if I applied myself to do something and I really figured it out and kind of dismantled, like whether it was getting hired, um, you know, these things and asking people, uh, uh, is, is in to figure out how I'm going to approach that, that, that it was like possible. And certainly in my mindset, I, I was always kind of drawn to more, um, you know, difficult things or elite things. If somebody, I just picked up on, if people were talking about something that was difficult or that like was something to be aspired to, I would kind of like key in on that. Like, okay, what's that about? What do you have to do to do that? Why, why are they talking about it like that? What's so hard about it? Um, is that something I can do if I wanted to do that? What do I got to do? And, and then, so that just kind of carried, that kind of started me off. And then coming into the fire service very early out here, we have like explorers, uh, when you're just, yeah, I just came out of high school, but it was a way to volunteer and check this out if this was for me. And, 
Um, and it was, uh, I started hearing like, oh, okay, if you go to this and you do well in the academy, you get this award, you know, or whatever. Well, how do you do that? How do you, if I want to do good, like you're saying, what is that? What would I have to do? Well, you would have to be all in on, on this. You got to be the first to jump in. You got to be the last one to stop. Um, you need to be assertive. Um, all of these things I started picking up on just showing that extra effort, going the extra mile when you're turning in assignments and making a good name and building a good reputation for yourself. So I was kind of drawn to those. And then I continued throughout the career as I, as I was moving through, I would hear the way people talk when somebody's not around. And as we know, uh, fire service is different than no other uh, organization or group of people. They're talking trash, right? Whether it comes from insecurities and people are insecure about themselves and they want to hate on other people or talk trash, but also hearing when they would talk good about somebody when they weren't around. So what did they say about these guys when they weren't in the room? The ones that were like, that was positive and nobody ever had anything bad to say about them. I was like, well, why, why is that? You know, I kind of started like picking those guys as my mentors. Well, I want to, I want them to talk about me like that when I'm not around. So what are they doing? Well, they have a great, uh, bedside manner, which means they treat the patients great. No matter whether it's the first call or the 10th call after midnight, they're just, they're just a pro, a, a consummate professional, well-rounded. So I was in, I was uh, trying to emulate those people and I was motivated by that. But like, you're talking about like doing difficult things all the time. And I saw opportunities to do that throughout, throughout my career. And I also saw when things get difficult, how many times people complain whether it's a busy station, whether it's having to wear the correct uh, safety gear or uniform. Anytime people would complain about things, I don't know why, but I kind of had this, this draw to like, yeah, I think maybe I could do that and not complain. Let me see. <laughs> let me, let me go see. Let me see. I think I, I, I want to be able to do that hard stuff and not be negative. So I, I was always like trying, I guess, to, to, to be, um, I followed these positive guys. They were encouraging to me. They helped me. And so th that was really kind of, I, I think, um, how I carried that mindset was that it just got off on the, on that foot by following those guys following. Those were the ones that I looked up to. Um, I looked up to those guys. I know people that look up to like this other end of the spectrum, right? Like guys that are just, uh, you know, running a whole different program and, and about, uh, different things and are important to them. But, uh, but I, I think on, on my mindset, as I started to do that and kept, I guess, conquering those things and, um, and, and keeping a good attitude, you know, not that it was easy. Um, you know, it's tough on, on us, on our job and on the families, but even to this day, I'm still trying to, to seek out those things that are challenging. Um, that, like I said, where people maybe complain about, or they avoid because it's difficult. Uh, even if I don't say anything to anybody, I'm like, I'm kind of interested in, in trying to see if I can do that and not let it wreck my uh my positive outlook and and, right, right, right. and and all that and that's that's extremely difficult in in the fire service and uh that perspective is is, is amazing man, because it's true i mean like even even me and I'm, I'm a very optimistic person but there are times when i fall into that trap you know what i mean i fall into the trap and usually i catch myself but now i think i'm going to approach it like you just said is Am, am I strong enough to not fall into the negative whirlpool? Um, and, uh, you know, you said something, something amazing too. The experience you have with people, the interaction, that will dictate what they say about you. You know what I mean? You could be the best 
firefighter, you could be the best athlete, you know. And if you rub someone the wrong way, and I've, I've done it, I know I have, and that was their experience with you, they don't care that you raise money for a philanthropy. They don't care that you save people out of burning buildings. They don't care that you volunteer on Thanksgiving and Christmas for the home. They don't care about any of that. They're going to say, that guy was an asshole, right? And then you'll have another guy that says, oh, you don't know him. He's actually a good guy. And that's been difficult for me, man. That's been very difficult. So to hear that come from you, it's very, um, very inspiring, that perspective of, yeah, when you're not in the room, like having people say nothing but good things, that, that's amazing. Um, but there is a line, I think, I, I don't want to be liked by everybody. I, I, I think that that is not having your own opinion and it's not standing for what you believe in. Because if you do have those two things, people are not going to like everything about you. You know what I mean? Because you're your own person. You're unique. You know, me and you can go for, for a run, jog, bike, and have a conversation. We're bound to disagree on something, I hope, because that means that you have your own opinion and, and I have my own opinion that has been created through our experience in life. And that's fine. I think, you know, in the fire service, we've gotten away from disagreeing. Like, we can't disagree. You know what I mean? The other day, me and this guy, I love him to death. He, he did something and he said something actually. And I pulled him aside after dinner and I said, Hey dude, can we have a conversation? And it's going to get uncomfortable. And he said, yes. And I said, I want to really understand your mindset on this specific topic because I think you're a hundred percent wrong. And let me, let me tell you why I think you're a hundred percent wrong. Laid out my reasons. He laid out his reasons and we came to a compromise, right? There's some things that I was right about. There's some things that he was worried about. Some things I didn't think about where he was coming from. Some things that I was thinking about that he, he wasn't thinking about. And we hugged, told each other we loved each other, and, and went from there. You know what I mean? But we disagreed, you know? And, and, and I think that's important. I think we, we, we have to have the ability to listen to people and not shut people down um, and, and hear where they're coming from. I heard a great quote from Jocko Willink. Um, what do you do when people what, – what do you do when you're in a room full of people complaining? And being negative. As a leader, you listen to what they're complaining about and you help them overcome these obstacles. You don't just tell them, stop being negative. You don't tell them, like, you guys are, are, are a bunch of, you know, soft, soft guys or whatever the case may be. You actually listen, right? And that's a skill I'm working on myself because it's extremely difficult to actually listen and process information and then apply your ability, knowledge, skills, energy to help these people. Um, and, and that's the common goal. And I can tell, man, just by the way, you know, you carry yourself that, that that's what you do. You know what I mean? You're a very open person and, and um, you got to leave the judgment to the side because you don't know where these people were raised. You, you don't know their experiences. You know what I mean? And usually if you actually give people the benefit of the doubt, it ends up being a better outcome. Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit it right there. And, and I, you know, I, in, and on the, what, what, you know, our, our reputation, what people think about us, I, I do tell people, you know, I tell my folks, especially early in their career, um, you know, what, what do you, how do you want to be known? What do you want to be known for? Because you get to pick, like you get to pick what you're known for. You get to choose. It's a hundred percent choice. You get to choose, choose that. Right. And like you said, uh, and then when it comes to, uh, talking to people and when there's disagreements, um, 
and certainly I've gained confidence in this as time goes on. And just being an older guy in the station now, I think a lot of times my perspective wins out a lot of times because I'm dealing with a lot of people that have just less experience, right? So, but but I think it's like you're talking about when you're having a discussion with somebody is if you're coming from it, you know, of a, hey, I want to understand your perspective. And then when you're when you're explaining something to someone else, it's not just like hard, fast, hey, here's what it is. And, and I don't want to hear nothing else. But if but when the, the situation warrants it, right, like not like on the fire ground or something like that, but when you have time to explain it and break it down, when you can give your perspective, hey, man, here's why I think that's a dangerous way of approaching that. Here's why I think that way of thinking is going to get you into trouble. And then, you, you know, you can kind of explain some things and kind of break it down. But it's like you're talking about, you know, having those discussions. Absolutely. I mean, I definitely don't agree with with people all the time on a regular basis, but there is. There's always that tension. There's there's so much tension on every. There's two sides of, of the coin on just about everything that we're doing. As you know, not just in fire service, but life. It's like, yes, there's a standard, and we don't deviate, and, and we can't. We have to hold standards, but then at the same time, you know, there's room for for new things and, and discussion and, and and hearing different points of view. So, uh, but yeah, man, it, it the people part, the people part of our job. That's where that's where it's difficult. All the following the the checklists and rules and books and everything. That's easy. It'd be yes. easy if there's no people at work, but, right. that's, but that's the hard part. <laughs> that is the hard part, man. Dealing with different people with different backgrounds, different beliefs, that is extremely difficult. And it, another thing to think about on this topic is you got to understand who you're talking to. And not every um, discussion is worth dying on that battlefield. <laughs> Sometimes, you know what? It's okay to just say, okay, you know, you're right, right? Let, let the person have what they have. Um, because if they're not intelligent enough to be open and have a conversation, then you're honestly wasting your time. You're just, you're running around in circles with somebody who is blocked off on every direction and they don't care to understand where you're coming from. So be careful with that as well. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, besides that point, I want to dive into every time I see you posting when you're at work, man, you're always with the crew. You're always training physically or on new techniques, tactics. Have you always been like that? Were you raised up in the fire service that way? What, where does that originate from? Um, I, I, I think it just comes from a, a hunger to learn and be really proficient at what we're doing. Um, I'm definitely, I've definitely always been somebody who's not always looking to, like to take a break, you know, and maybe that's not, you know, I mean, there's times I've been tired and I know it's time to shut it down, but but there, I can't remember even very early on, I was always interested in getting my hands on things and, and to try and drill. And again, that's probably my mentors. I'm like, that's just what we do. Like right. that guys, this guy's bad for real. And he's always getting his hands on things. Right. And so, um, so always kind of keeping, keeping that interest that I've always been, been, been willing to dive in. And then now, um, being trying to cultivate that because it's really easy in the stations, you know, especially once people have been around for a couple of years that they kind of like, you know, you want to slide into this routine of, familiarity, right? Um, you talk about complacency a lot, um, but just being over, over familiar. But what has helped me over the years is when I was involved with it really, really kind of helped out when I was uh, becoming a new leader, right? So when, when you're that leader, whether you're a firefighter to firefighter leader, um, you know, leading up in your organization, or you're actually, you know, got people that you're responsible for and it's time to lead was, uh, you know, what is, what, what are we doing today? Right. When you have some say in that, in the, in the drills and the training that you're doing and, and which firefighters certainly got a lot of, a lot of say in what they're doing, 
but always have something, uh, always have a plan for the day. I always have a drill that if time allows for it, if the runs allow for it, if we have an opportunity, I would really like to do this today, have to train on that today. And so, um, like, like you're talking about when I share things, those aren't just things that I'm driving, like, Hey, we're doing this today. It's like a lot of times from the crew, like just yesterday, car extrication, they set it up. They talked about the techniques they wanted to run and work on and they went at it, uh, you know, cutting up cars and, and, and but I definitely love and, and, and the people I enjoy working with and people know when they're working with me that I am open, I'm in on a drill. So they want to suggest anything. I'm like, let's go. All right, cool. Let's do it. They're not going to interrupt me from, uh, you know, some time that I was hoping to just kind of shut it down. Like, it's like, right. if they're coming to me, they know that I'm going to, uh, they have a question on and they want to get better. Like that that's well received. Right. And I think that's important to cultivate that throughout your career, to create an environment and a culture where, People know that if they want to train, if they want to get better, it's not going to get poo-pooed because I've had supervisors before coming up where I was new in a position and I want to train, I want to drill and get good at my craft, but it would get shut down a lot. It's like, yeah, we're not going to bet today. And then after like, like 20 times of asking, you kind of stop asking over time. Right. And, um, so I didn't, I, I was intentional about not being that way. And, uh, but always having a, you know, I'm always open for a drill uh, to train, to get better. Uh, and I, it doesn't matter to me if it's a weekend, I'm not going to make people. If it's, if it's a weekend, you know, we try to give, give people a good day and, and let people catch up on some things they're trying to catch up on, but, but I don't care. I mean, I'm down like whenever. Uh, um, so I think just really being a professional and that's what I, I, I trying to maintain this approach. And I, I really want to exude to people is just be a pro is me not wanting to train or do that for whatever personal reasons that I would have. Is that being professional or, or am I being a pro by going and doing this other thing? So I, um, I try to use that as a gauge and be when I'm at work, be on and engaged on what, what we're supposed to really be doing there, what the mission really is. And, uh, but, and, and, but not being, it, uh, making it a drag if, if at all possible to some people training is going to be a drag no matter what. And so I don't care. Like I'll drag, I'll drag those ones along. I don't really care if they're bummed out about it, but, right. but, but it's all, you know, it's always that finesse of, of keeping, keeping an eye on what's going on and, and the things that have been going on in the crew, not just being a taskmaster. But, um, I guess like I'm talking, just providing that environment that, um, that it is very important to train and that it's never a bad time to try to go out and do that stuff. Yeah. You, you said so much there that I want to pick apart. First thing I want to talk about is supervisors. <laughs> And, and, and I want everybody listening to understand the difference between a supervisor and a leader, right? They're two different things. Um, first of all, leaders create an environment for growth, create an environment for positivity, create an environment for new ideas and mistakes to be made and to learn from those mistakes and build you up, not, not break you down. Supervisors check boxes and establish Limitations, establish limitations, establish boundaries to not progress forward and understand the difference, right? Don't ever let that, you know, stop you from growing. Don't ever let that stop your, your, your training personally. But you are, I mean, you, you just said it. You are going to experience in the fire service. You're going to come across individuals that are supervisors, individuals that are leaders. And I love what you said, dude, about being a professional, being a pro. And I've been caught up. I'm not going to lie down, to be honest. 
sometimes I've got a couple things I want to get done throughout the day and the company officer says, hey, we got this going on today. And selfishly in my mind, I never, I'm never negative. I'm like, okay, no worries. We're going to train. I love training. But I get kind of like, oh man, I had these things I wanted to get done. But then I, I, I ground myself back to what the mission is. You said that. What, what is the mission here? And we can't ever forget or take for granted how beautiful the time we have at the fire service is. And at the same token, it is our job to be professional. And that comes at a cost. The cost is to train. The cost is to always grow, always put ourselves in situations where we do find our limits. We do find our insecurities, our faults, and then train on those, build them up so that when that call comes in, we're professionals, right? And I love that word, professionals. And most, let me not say most, a lot of people forget that when they took, when, when they took an oath, you took an oath to be a professional. You're getting paid. You have a pension. You have an extraordinary benefits. And you're not a volunteer. And I know volunteers that take the job so serious because to them, they're going to somebody's worst day. And that is enough to keep them motivated for being a, a, a professional on scene. So I love it, man. And it, it's so true. The, the, you got to be able to focus on what the mission is and not lose sight no matter what's going on in your life. When you come to work, if you have time to do personal things, that's great. But that's not the first priority. First priority is squaring away the station, training, checking in on your guys, your girls at the station, right? And then you have time to do your own things. Cool. Um, so let's talk about fitness. I know you're always on a program. Um, so first and foremost, what is your thought process going to work your entire career uh, in regards to fitness? Are you the type of person that comes in and says, hey, guys, what, what do you guys want to do today for a workout? Like you make it non-negotiable or, or how do you approach it? So, uh, you know, I guess I'll, I'll just kind of go through a couple phases because there is that that point when I was new and it was just, you know, when you're new, um, you, you're just you're maybe still figuring things out what worked for you. But I was just probably most of the time, just whatever uh, my partner, you know, my partners at work were, were doing, uh, we'll do it together. And back, back in those days, because I'm talking like 20 years ago, right? Like there wasn't, it wasn't these, uh, CrossFit wasn't a thing for sure yet. So there wasn't a lot of these like team training. It was just. Like, what was, what either, was training? Yeah, so me... either, either you're in the gym tearing out a page of like muscle and fitness and you're, this is the workout today. I'm about to do this with this guy in this picture is doing right here. Arnold's workout. That's me today. Right. Or they're just a runner. It was like, it was like, those were the two things. Like they didn't mix, they didn't converge. It was like, either you were going to hit, like if we weren't even calling it like bro sesh stuff, it was just, you know, you're going to hit the gym, you're going to work out or, or the people were runners and, and working in Southern California, we would have runners cause we got, you know, uh, not just running around the block, but you know, the wildland, there's a lot of trails in the areas that I worked was very rural a lot of times. Um, so, so running was still a thing and, uh, you know, that we did track trail run and thing on, on duty. So it was kind of that. And then, and then over time, uh, it was just whatever me and my partners could do with our schedules. Like we would work out before duty because we knew we were going to get, get slammed. And I still tell people like, and still in my mind, I'm trying to punk every day. Like I joke around, but it's like, I'm tempting the run gods. Cause I'm saying I'm on punk, punk the day, but like to get that workout in first thing before the day, no matter what happens the rest of the day, we got that in. And so right. we would even work out and meet at the gym before duty, knowing that our pace of the day was just, you know, working some of these like 
like just hammer houses, right? Like that were busy, you know, when I was like a paramedic and stuff like that was we, I knew if I was going to get it in, I would have to get it in before duty. And so there's a lot of guys that do that. And so that was kind of that. And then, um, when I went to go work in the wildland, you didn't pick your PT. We took turns. Everybody got to call it out. Um, whoever's calling the workout that day, they called a trail run and there's a time limit and they go, here it is go. And then it's like a race, like every day. Um, so there wasn't much gym time when I went wildland. Um, and then, um, now that being, and then when I started to figure things out and started working with teams, working with paid, paid, uh, and paid guys again, cause there was a short time I was working with inmates. Um, then it was, I was leading PT. And then at that point, like you, as the foreman, you got, that's your job. Like you call the workout, like you say what it is and everybody's doing it. Like all 20 people, there's no uh, deviation. So, so those are kind of some of the things I went through. And then now back in the fire station now, it's definitely back to the culture of, um, it's not kind of like, like it was before, like a similar to the military where everybody's doing the same thing. Now it's everybody kind of just does whatever they want. And like you're talking about, I'm trying to provide example all the time. I always have a workout. I always have something that's going to, that's going to be on my program. But at the same time, I'm asking those with less experience, like I'll do something else if they have something for us to do. Um, but what I notice a lot of times is when people are brand new, like on probation, they're, they're like up for working out with me. They're like, Oh yeah, cap, let's go. That's a good workout. Let's do it. And then anybody's off probation. They're like, nah, anything just came up. Uh, I think I got, I, I have something else I'm going to do. Like they kind of go for a little more comfortable style. Um, but, but also I'm just aware that also that's another way that I can be selfish, right? If, if it's always just me and my program and workout, just because I have a plan and a program, I still don't want to just steamroll everybody else. Even if I think it's not really, you know, um, what I would normally do, but if they have a, an idea, I, I want to do something together. I want to do something difficult. So, so, you, you know, trying to rotate that around and let people pick, but then there's other, but if they don't have something that's good, if they don't have a plan, if they're not, if they're not going to do anything, then I can have something for us to do that's like together, right? I can come up with something, but, um, but that's kind of how I weigh that out. It's not always, um, although I would like to do just mine, but I have to remember that it's not, it's not just what I want to do all the time anymore. When I was on crew, it was whatever I wanted and nobody's going to say boo at it. Um, <laughs> but, but now I'm really trying to, to get them to seek those things on their own and go, Hey, you, your turn to pick, what do you got for us? And most of the time they don't really give much thought to it. They don't have a plan, but, but hopefully, you know, doing that again and again, they start to kind of be more intentional about uh, coming up with something good when we, when we, when we're going to PT together. So right. that's how I approach it now. And then, and then all it's just like before, just like it was in years past my program and stuff that I think is important. And that why I want to get done. If I have to do that on my own time before duty or do it at home, you know, so be it. Yeah. I, I, I love that thought process. It's expecting something. Right. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest and transparent here. I have failed to do that. I've gotten kind of away from encouraging people and doing my own thing. And I'm going to start pushing back that, that growth. Um, and, and for me, I'm full throttle 24 seven. So when I tell guys, Hey guys, you guys want to work out? They're very timid. So I need to do better about saying, Hey, let's do this as a crew. Set it very simple. Set it as a, a smaller standard, knowing I'm not going to probably be challenged but like you just said it's not always about you right 
your job as, as a leader is to make other people better. It's not just to always do your own thing to be your best. There comes a point where you've established your discipline, your habits, you've established this fitness level to where doing a workout with the guys that's not going to challenge you is more important because you're getting other guys out there, making them better, having changing their, their perspective on fitness, right? That's the, that's the hardest thing is changing someone's perspective from you have to work out to you get to work out. Like fitness is a beautiful thing, man. And the, the saying is true. You'll never leave a workout regretting it or feeling bad. You may feel bad during it and you may not want to do it. But after the, the hormones and endorphins that are released from that training session, you can't, you, you can't buy, you can't buy that. You know what I mean? It only comes from putting yourself in a situation where mentally and physically you have to sweat, get your heart rate up and, you know, yeah. get physically fit. Yeah. It, it really ties back into the, it's the same mindset and a way of approaching it as we were talking about with the training, with the drills, it's being a pro, right? Like, so if somebody doesn't have a plan for the day, they have nothing that they were thinking about getting better at, at their job, drilling on, training on, getting their hands on, they showed up to work with no plan. It's that same mindset, bringing that to their workout. Hey, what are you going to do for PT today? Yeah, I have nothing, nothing planned. Like you get, so like from a leader's perspective, every day we get a chance to PT. So you came just just to work every day you had no idea that you were going to get the opportunity to work out today and your preparedness is zero like you didn't even think about it right and people do that with with like i said approaching their day when it comes to drill or, or training like hey you knew you were going to be here for 24 hours today what are you bringing to today like what do you want to do what do you want to go over if you have nothing like we can get other guys to jump in there and, and lead but but um but like you said it's about teaching other people to participate in that. Because I'm telling you right now, every single person has amazing things to contribute to the team, right? And things that, that they need to, that they can bring that nobody else can. But um, sometimes we got to start pulling that out of them a little bit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So um, before we end this, I want to talk to you about, because you have a unique perspective. In California, you have the ability to do wildland and do structural. I think wildland is incredible because it's hard work. And I want to ask you what your opinion and perspective is working with those crews compared to working with structural firefighting crews. Um, what's the difference? I mean, I know the difference. The guys that are doing wildland, that's work. So you're, I think you're going to have more driven guys on that side. And then structural, it can kind of go two ways. You can kind of have your go-getters or you can kind of have your guys that get complacent, lazy, and you know, they forget what the mission truly is. Right. And, and in that, I would say that the cult, there's two different, not only cultures, it is a bit of a different culture and there are two different, very different jobs and having done both. That's what I try to explain to people. I don't just try to browbeat people and say, Oh, wildland firefighters, you know, cause we could have this debate, right? Like who's harder, like the wildland guys or the structure guys. Well, you know, Oh, we, the wildland, we work, you know, around the clock, we're hiking structure guys are like, Oh, we're carrying heavy weight. We got to do this and that, right? But they're very different. They, the wildland guys are working different schedules. They typically, for the most part, uh, sub agencies do, but for the most part, they don't work 24 hour shift schedules. They are working like 12 hour shifts, you know, on fire, 16s maybe. 
but that's like on the long end. But that lifestyle from working that schedule all the time, you know, they try to give them downtime every night. Um, and for many of them, there's an off season. Uh, many, many, uh, overwhelmingly majority of the wildland firefighters are, are seasonal. You know, when it comes to like the federal positions, they're trying to get more so that uh, more permanent positions so they can get pay parity and benefits. But it's very different than the 24 hour pace that you can run at a fire station when you're working 24 hours, mandatory. Uh, I just finished a run of four days, right? And uh, we didn't get beat up too bad, but had we been running fires every single day, you know, we only had a couple small ones, but you can really grind people down uh, on a 24 hour basis. They're not touching home base at night. Um, not that the wildland firefighters are during fire season, but they're, they're very different. And, and so uh, to, but I will say, like you said, dude, the, the culture is very hardworking. They typically are a younger, more motivated population of people and they are in shape, man. They're, they're younger. They're good to go. So I still like on my, my programming, I still try to train like I'm a wildland firefighter, even though I'm in the stations, because I do believe that that to train to be that with that wildland level is, is another level on the aerobic side. And, um, you know, the long hours of working, it's not just like sprint work. Um, so I try to train to that level and, and, and then still continue to train that, but, but keep myself prepared for the fire, um, the structure side by carrying heavy loads over long distance, dragging, pulling, building strength, uh, really getting deep in positions so that your range of motion is good when you get forced in those positions on the fire ground, right? Um, so yeah, that, that is kind of a unique, unique approach. But what, as I explained to guys, I always, just like I did right now, I try to provide their perspective like, hey, you don't know, this is what the structure guys are going through though. Like, and you don't know, these are what the wildland guys are, are going through. It's a, it's a different lifestyle. It's a different culture and they're both unique. But, um, and as you mentioned, I have a unique approach and I train that year round thing is I'm going, okay, I broke up the year into four seasons, four 90 day seasons, and I'm going year round and I'm aiming at that fire season fitness. That's what, that's what I want to be able to maintain and attain for as long as I can. I'm 46. I'm not taking my foot off the gas. I'm going to see how good I can keep running it in my fifties, uh, as high level as possible, but I'm being as smart as I can about it. I'm not just hammered down full throttle on just strength training year round. I I'm, I'm rotating these things in to, to let my body adapt. And, and, you know, like you said, out West, I'm, I'm maybe training for a little bit of a different mission, but, uh, but I realize some of these differences that we have on those two lines of work. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. And, Something I was talking to a friend today um, about training and how through time and experience I've come to realize you have to be intentional, right? And you got to ask yourself, is your ego driving you to do something right now? And what's your ego going to get you? Are you going to get tougher? Are you going to put yourself physically in a worse spot um, where it's going to take you longer to actually physically improve your endurance, strength, and stamina, right? So, you know, we did a workout the other day. I was wrecked, got two hours sleep at work, and uh, I wanted to end the workout with 200 pull-ups, right? 200 strict pull-ups, you go, I go. And I told my friend, I'm like, hey, man, I'm taxed. I'm going to I'm gonna skip on the pull-ups. And he's like, yeah, me too. I, I worked 48. I'm beat up too. Let's call it, you know? And that's hard, you know, for, for, for someone like me like, that wants to be better, that wants to challenge himself because there's no question I could have done the pull-ups. tired, you know what I mean? But having that awareness, that ability to like pull back and say, hold on a second, you're going to get five, four to five hours of sleep and we got a hard training session in the morning. That's already going to put you behind. Like 
Let's not put ourselves so so deep in the red and so, so you know, the nervous system taxes so much that for a week we're exhausted. So now we're, we're, we're thinking differently, right? We're, we're intentionally being smart, right? And when you train super hard, I want to be able to say, just like you, I'm 55, 60 ultras, 100 milers, in the gym, jacking weight, looking good, feeling good at that age. And you have to be smart. you got to be intentional with your training. You can't just be training for ego and training for performance and not having a rhyme or reason for what you're doing because, you know, at least for me, I'm on a busy truck. And when I go to work, I'm barely sleeping. You know what I mean? So I have to be very intentional with my training when I'm putting in the max effort, when I'm pulling back the effort and just I'm there for the reps and stuff like that. Today is a prime example, man. I did. I went to the gym and as I'm working out, I'm like, I feel amazing. Like, I feel so strong. I feel so good, mentally clear, on a fasted stomach. It was great. I let the gym felt great. Two days ago, I felt terrible, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't because of the workout. It was just the state that my nervous system had been through and what I was currently in. So, uh, Chris, man, I could talk to you for a long time. I do. I want to start keeping this shorter for my, for my guests to just digest everything. And, and I want to say thank you, man, for coming on. Um, I'm going to have you on again for sure because there's so much we can talk about. Um, and for the guests who don't know, Chris runs uh, Prep and Defend on Instagram. He currently has launched a new program. So, Chris, let's talk about that program. Um, are you talking about the, the Fire Up? Or that's the, uh, yeah. yeah. So that's just another, uh, that was another way that I could just get involved. So the fire up program, um, on prep and defend, that's my, that's my programming, my coaching, kind of my day to day stuff that I just kind of try to keep people encouraged with and give people insight to. And now the fire up program is a nonprofit. And again, it's on Instagram, uh, fire up program. And it is to, it's a men's resilience program. Uh, there's a lot of, as you said yesterday, you were at a, a stress checkup, mental wellness kind of checkup. There's a lot of that in the fire service and for first responders, um, trainings, but ours takes a hands-on approach. We take a, a guys out for a weekend, um, civilians as well. But for the most part, it's, it's geared towards first responders from active duty firefighters. None of us are, are retired former firefighters. We are all currently working every cadre member is going through the same struggles that you're going through when it comes to the work-life balance um all of the challenges of ptsd and there's a wide array of everything that guys are going through but what we do is it's just a it's a two-day men's resilience event and we bring people out and we just help any way we can to dial them in to help be better equipped to handle the stresses of their job and the lifestyle stuff the family things um, and so we're coming at it physical, mental, spiritual. Um, that's what the fire up program is. And I'm, I'm proud to be a part of that. And so that's another, uh, that's a nonprofit thing. And again, as I'm transitioning into retirement within the next decade, that's something I plan to be involved with and have my hand in, uh, you know, perpetually years on after I even retire. That's so amazing. that's what I got going on over there, brother. So talk to me about your other program. So that's within, um, that's the fire up program. But talk to me about the new program you've been working on with the wife. And right. Let's talk about okay. that. Well, and, and, and so it, it really dovetails into the both of those. So really it's where those two meet, right? My passions of fitness, leadership, of many of the things that we've talked about here on the podcast that I share in the Fire Up program um, is a coaching. It's a coaching program in which, um, and this is something we can go on another podcast, but the family side was uh, we alienate ourselves from our family and our spouses a lot mm -hmm. on our, on our job. And um, 
but I want to help those guys. I want to help those guys that are struggling, uh, that, that want to be good at their fitness. They want to be good at their job. They just need some help, personal leadership, um, you know, to get dialed in at work on their fitness, but also on their families to give their families uh, what they need. And so my wife and I um, are doing fitness and nutrition coaching um, together and we're partnered up to help, uh, you know, really uh, it's, it's men, but my ideal guys that I'm working with are like those, those, uh, firefighter family guys, as I would call it, you know, um, cause that's where, where our hearts lie is seeing those families succeed and not split up, you know, right. um, and those kinds of things. So, uh, we're working together on that and, and it's really like, it's where our heart lies. It's really easy for us cause it's, we're passionate about it and we love it. And we've been like living this lifestyle just like you guys for so many years. Um, so that's really, uh, the direction we're going with it, uh, right now. And so it's been a blast and, and getting to hang out together. And it's something that's that's needed because, um, like you just said, man, it's it's tough. It's a tough career. It's not only tough on us; it's tough on the family. And people need guidance, man. You, you are not you're not alone in this world. And um, I love that about the internet. You can help somebody struggling with something and uh, never meet them. You know what I mean? So um, that's great, Chris. Man, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, brother, thank you're the man, dude. I I love seeing everything you're doing. Appreciate you. And uh, I, I know you guys are, I hope you guys are enjoying this. Julian, let them know. Let them know in the comments. Write them, send them DMs, emails. Let them know, man. The guy's working hard. Let them know what it means to you guys. That's awesome. Thank you.